Well, today uh, we're uh, going to go with Paul into uh, the original Sin City. Um, and we're not talking about Las Vegas today. We're talking about Corinth. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I think about Paul, my mind, Chris, I, I think of, you know, like a guy on a white stallion riding into Corinth, right? And he's got maybe a gold, silver-plated megaphone, and he's going to shout, uh, Ken, we're having a tent meeting. Meet us there, and I'm going to share some amazing stuff. And crowds show up, and he speaks with eloquence, and he speaks with grace and logic, and there's fire in his belly and fire in his bones, and he's uh, tall, dark, and handsome. What do you think, Penny? Yeah, that's, that's, that's got to be Paul, right? Uh, well, well, today we're going to see exactly what Paul said about how he felt when he came marching into the city of Corinth for the first time. Jay, go ahead and uh, put that up. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you have your Bible. If not, we'll put it up here on the wall for you. But uh, here's what Paul said. This was how he was feeling, and this was what it was like when he uh, came marching into this city. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you, verse 3, here, here's where it says, I came to you in weakness, with great fear, and trembling. Isn't that interesting? Paul comes into Corinth, and uh, now he's about to uh, bring the gospel message to this huge capital city of Greece. And he says, verse 3, I came to you, and when I came into Corinth, I was feeling weak and great fear in trembling. I have a question, a little short survey question, okay? How many of you, when you have an opportunity to share with someone about Jesus Christ and uh, why you serve him, how many of you feel a little afraid, a little shaky, little, a, a little weak when, when you're about to do that? Anybody besides me? Yeah. Um, no matter how many times you do it, uh, and I just want you to know you're in good company. Uh, the Apostle Paul, when he came marching in to talk about Jesus to uh, the city of Corinth, he was scared. He was fearful. He was weak. He wasn't doing so good. So now turn to Acts chapter 18 with me, would you please? Um, and, and I want to read uh, what Dr. Luke said, inspired by the Lord as he wrote down details about uh, Paul coming into the city of Corinth. So let's stand together. It's on the back of your bulletins. If you don't have your Bible, Jay's going to put it up here on the wall. We're going to read verses 1 to 11, okay? Uh, verse 1, out loud, we're all going to uh, declare God's word to one another. Here we go. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, 
trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titus Justus, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the gift of your word. Lord, you got it uh, from you to paper and parchment through Dr. Luke, and uh, you got it to us exactly as you wanted. We want to say thank you. It's a gift. It's a lamp for our feet. It's a light for our path. And Lord, we recognize we are living in dark times, and we need your light, the light of your word now more than ever. So, uh, Lord, I'm praying that your light, your word, would speak and teach and challenge and bring encouragement today. Lord, I suspect there are some here right now who've just been through a really awful week. I suspect right now there are some who are worn out and drained and feeling weak and weary and perhaps even afraid. Lord, thank you uh, that that's where you met Paul and thank you that that's where you're willing to meet us as well. So, uh, Lord, I pray for your blessing and your comfort on each person who's discouraged and uh, struggling even right now. Thank you for this opportunity we have to open your word. We recognize, Lord, if anything is going to change in us that'll last, um, it's only through the power of your word coming in combination with the power of your spirit. So, Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit to come now in your church. And more specifically, you come and take charge of each and every one of us individually. We yield, we surrender. You come and uh, do your stuff today in us. You come and uh, take charge. We slide off the throne. You come and sit on the throne. Lord, we slide away from the steering wheel. You come and drive our lives even right now. We uh, invite you to come and meet and speak and convict and teach and do all sorts of good stuff wherever we're at, whatever we need. And all the church gathered at Walloon said as one. Okay, we're going to give you another run and shut your eyes. That was awful. And all the church gathered at Walloon Lake said with one voice. Amen. Nice job. You may be seated. You almost scared me on that one. Have you ever recognized how many people, well-known, godly, uh, 
religious, really spiritual people in the Bible have times of discouragement, uh, times where we might even say they're depressed. I just want to kind of, before we get going in Acts 18, I just want to point out, there's lots of folks in the Bible, and many of them are our greatest heroes in God's Word, and yet they have really bad, awful times. Uh, Moses, many times, as he's leading the children of Israel out of uh, slavery in Egypt, he's discouraged, he's upset, he's uh, overwhelmed, he's feeling weak. And in Numbers chapter 11 is just one of those times. Um, they're defeated at uh, the battle uh, in trying to conquer Ai, and, and Moses is just overwhelmed. Lord, what are you doing? And what have we done? And he, he's crying out to the Lord in in, in some really discouraging words there in Numbers chapter 11. Another one that comes to my mind, one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament, his name was Elijah, remember him? And uh, in Elijah chapter 19 and verse 4, the Lord uses Elijah to defeat the prophets of Baal, remember? And it's, it's Elijah against all of the, the prophets and the priests of Baal, and, and God uses Elijah, and, and he whoops him, okay? And, and now, um, you'd think this great success, he'd be like on cloud nine, right? Um, but when Jezebel says, I'm going to get you, my little pretty, and, and goes after, remember Jezebel going after Elijah? And he runs and he runs, and he finally gets way out there, and he says these words. This is, this is uh, Elijah's words. Lord, take my life. It's better that I was dead. He's so discouraged, so depressed, so despondent that he wants to die. That's Elijah. King Hezekiah, Isaiah 38, you can look that up, but he's weeping and crying and pleading with the Lord, and and things are awful. Uh, Job, uh, we could talk a long time about Job, couldn't we, Scott? Uh, His world collapses and he just goes silent. He, he's so upset, he's so overwhelmed, he's so depressed. Days and days go by, he doesn't say one word. That, that's Job. And, and then when he finally does start talking, he's angry and he's broken and he's shaking his fist at God. Um, Jeremiah, anybody know, not the bullfrog, I'm talking the prophet. Uh, anybody know what kind of prophet they call Jeremiah the what kind of prophet? Anybody know? He's the weeping. Can you imagine? The weeping prophet. Can, can you just imagine now? That was your title, Mike. Mike Dudek, the weeping man, wherever he goes. Well, what's Mike known for? Well, he cries. Um, and as you read Jeremiah and Lamentations, constantly Jeremiah is mourning and crying and and, and he's so upset with what's going on in the nation of Israel. Um, that seemed to be his job, to cry. Um, King David, psalm after psalm after psalm, David is downcast and troubled. He's in despair. Lord, why are you doing this? Lord, why are you allowing this to go on? Can't you see Saul? Can't you see my son? Again, King David is one troubled man. But he was a man after God's own heart. Isn't that interesting? Man after God's own heart. But man, did he have discouraging times. Peter, um, the head 
apostle, the head disciple, I'll never, I'll never deny you, Lord. And remember, little, little middle school girl says, aren't you one of those that with Jesus? What did Peter say? No, you're wrong. And, and then he weeps bitterly, and here's what you don't know, but Peter is so upset with himself, he goes back to fishing. Did you know that? He says, I'm not a very good apostle. I'm not a very good disciple of Jesus. So he goes back and he says, I, I think I'm going to go back to what I think I'm good at. I'm going to go back to fishing. And in John chapter 21, Jesus comes to Peter and says, hey, Pete, what are you doing? I called you to be a fisher of men. And then he reinstalls Peter as, as his man, as his apostle. Do you understand? Lots of people, I could keep going, lots of our greatest heroes in Scripture have really horrible seasons of discouragement and depression and trouble and overwhelmed. Today, we're going to look at the time where that occurs in the Apostle Paul's life. Again, Acts chapter 18 is where you want to be. And we just saw, uh, Paul says, when I came in, uh, to Corinth, I was weak and afraid and trembling. Now, here's my question. Why was Paul in kind of a discouraged and overwhelmed and fearful state when he walked in to the city of Corinth? What was going on that made him that way? Um, so if you have your Bible, I just want to take you on a, a, a little tour of what's been going on in Paul's life the last couple months. So go back to chapter 15 if you have your Bible. Uh, chapter 15, verses 36 to 41, Paul has a huge argument with his best friend. What's his best friend's name back there? Anybody remember? Barnabas. Uh, this guy was the most encouraging guy he knew. Uh, the guy who took him under his wing, and now they've gone on the first missionary journey. Barnabas says, let's take John Mark again. Let's give him another chance. And do you remember what Paul said? Uh, awful idea. Where did you come up with that one? Don't you remember? He walked out on us last time. There's no way I'm allowing that quitter to come with us again. And Barnabas says, I, I think he deserves another chance. I think he's going to make it this time. And, and they are so angry and they are so upset with one another that they literally yell and scream and then part ways. And uh, Barnabas and John Mark head out. Paul has to find another missions partner. Anybody remember what was his name? Silas. Yeah, so, so now he has to go find another guy to go with him, and his name is Silas. Now they head out, Paul and Silas. Uh, chapter 16, slide down to verse 18 to verse 24. Paul's out in Philippi talking about Jesus sharing his heart about the Lord Jesus on the cross, crucified, resurrected from the dead, and this demon-possessed girl is following him around, making him crazy. Remember we talked about that three weeks ago? Um, and everywhere he goes, she, she's yelling and she's screaming. And finally he says, enough of that. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, Satan, demon, come out of her. And sure enough, the demon comes out, and now she's free. However, the owners of this slave girl are not happy because their golden goose just got cooked and now they're upset. And as you read verses 18 to 24, what do they do? Uh, we want to kill you. 
uh, they take them to the authorities, they attack them, and then they beat them severely with rods. You remember what a rod was? Scott, any of you play pool? Okay, you can raise your hand, that's okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. Imagine taking a pool cue and just beating somebody up bloody with a pool cue, okay? Uh, on their necks, on their backs, on their bottoms, on their legs, beaten till they're bloody, till they're black and blue. That's what happened, okay? And then they put them in prison and put their legs in stocks, okay? So that's what occurred there in Philippi. They move on to the next city, Acts chapter 17, Thessalonica. Again, Paul is preaching, talking about Jesus, and a mob erupts, and now they riot, and they are intent, verses 5 to 10, Acts 17, they are intent on killing Paul. And he narrowly escapes, Seth, in the middle of the night. Just barely makes it out of town. Uh, he, they want to kill him. Um, last week, uh, the next city he goes to is Athens, and he's in this very intellectual, sophisticated, elite city, and the smart guys in Athens, they sneer at him and call him a babbler. Well, you're just a bird picker, aren't you? Uh, and the ministry in Athens had very disappointing results. Chapter 17, verses 19 through 32. So, uh, Paul is now, chapter 18, verse 1, look at it. He's traveling to Corinth and he's all by himself. 50 miles from Athens to Corinth. And now he says, 1 Corinthians 2, 3, I'm, I'm not doing so good right now. I don't feel very strong. I don't feel very courageous. I don't feel very bold. Seems Paul was losing his ability to recharge his batteries. And uh, he leaves behind his friends Silas and Timothy, and now he's coming into this massive city. I, I wish I could show you this uh, picture. One of these days, Berlin, we're going we're gonna to have, I'm going to have an iPad, and right now, just pretend, I'm going to hit, and you're going to see a picture of ancient Corinth. But I'd love to show you uh, this massive temple called the Temple of Aphrodite, or the Temple of Venus, and she was the god of love. How do you like that? So this temple, and, and you're thinking, well, that sounds pretty good. The only problem is it was the god of eros love. Anybody know what kind of love that is? Uh, that's sexual love. So this was a temple dedicated to love and sex. And that's what Corinth was known for. Um, they, they were, again, the original sin city. Why is that? Well, when you worshipped Aphrodite or Venus, the goddess of love, what in, was involved were thousands and thousands of temple prostitutes. Okay? And, and I could right now make this R-rated, and I'm not going to, but I think you're understanding it, this was a really wicked, sinful place Corinth was at this time. So Paul's coming in, and, and he's worn out, and he's burned out emotionally, physically, spiritually, and now he says, here we go. I, I'm not doing so good, but I'm going to come into Corinth, and I'm worn out and stressed and drained. Um, here I go, Lord. Now let's watch what Paul does, okay? Because I think what he does, there's good things for us to learn here. Make sense? 
When he goes, part of what he's written down, Dr. Luke, is, is for our example. So let's look. First thing he does when he comes into Corinth, he goes and finds Christians and links his arm with brothers and sisters in Christ, and he makes good Christian friends. Look at verse 2. Here's what it says. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Uh, Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and he worked with them. First thing Paul does, discouraged, burned out emotionally, physically, spiritually, he goes and he makes Christian friends. He goes and he connects with people that he can pray with and he can talk with about Jesus. And it seems these two were already mature followers of Jesus Christ. I need to go find some good Christian company to, to hang with. Does that make sense? Paul could have went and checked into the motel despair. And he, and he could have just went and laid on the bed and, and just cried and moaned and pouted and threw a big old pity party, right? Um, and, and instead, what does he do? Look at verse 2. First thing he does, comes into the city, I, I need to find some good, solid Christian friends to partner with. And that's, that's what he does. And, and I would suggest to you, if that's you today, and you're feeling pretty discouraged and overwhelmed, and, and you're feeling stressed and worn out, you need some Christian friends. You need some brothers and sisters in Christ to start hanging with. And, and that's the first thing that Paul shows us by his example. People to sing and pray and talk and work with. It would be great if you could just work with Christian brothers and sisters. Yeah, and, 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 and Kenny, that may mean you've got to hire some Christians in order to work with them, right? So, uh, Lord, I, I just need that on a daily basis. Second thing that Paul does um, when he's feeling weak and fearful, what does he do? He goes to work. <laughs> he stays busy. Isn't that interesting? Um, in, instead of, of saying, uh, uh, I'm, I'm too tired, I'm too worn out, I'm too scared. I, I'm, no, he gets busy and he focuses on work instead of focusing on who? Hmm. <laughs> um, apparently he was low on cash, so practically he needed the money. But I think he also knew he needed the work to keep him busy, Seth. Uh, crafting tents, making tents staying busy with his hands, and while he's doing that, he's doing that with fellow Christians, kept him busy, kept him focused, kept him from being all woe is me, kept him off his recent trouble. I, I think it's, it's brilliant. Um, the third thing Paul does when he's feeling low and trembling, look at verse 4. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. So, so he, he says, I, I'm going to keep up what I always do. I always go into the synagogue when I come into a new city and I talk to the Jews about Jesus as Messiah. So every Saturday, that's exactly what Paul continued to do. I, I'm going to keep up the routine. 
Uh, let's see, Sunday through Friday, what was Paul doing? Making tents, okay? And then on Saturday, the Sabbath, he was out there in the synagogue talking about Jesus Christ. Uh, he continued to use his spiritual gifts of preaching and teaching. Here's what I know. You ready? When Jeff doesn't have to preach or teach on Sunday, that's probably going to be a challenging week for Jeff. Think about it. Because when I'm, I'm having to study and I'm having to dig in and I'm having to get ready to stand up here and talk to you all and, oh, Lord, show me, and, and I'm getting right with the Lord and I'm walking close with him, here's what I know. That's healthy for me. And I know it's healthy for you to be using your spiritual gifts regularly as well. So a couple questions, okay? You ready? What's your gift? And how regularly are you using your spiritual gift? Verlin, you know, when you're a teacher, right, it, it's healthy to keep teaching. Well, I'm having a hard time, and, and I'm discouraged, and I'm down. I'm telling you, keep on using your spiritual gift. As you, as you use your God-given sweet spot, and, and you keep on hanging in there, I'm telling you, there's something recharging and refilling as you stay busy and using your spiritual gift for Christ. Um, the fourth thing that brings encouragement to Paul is the return of his old friends, Silas and Timothy, verse 5. Um, when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. Now, we don't know this from here, but we know from Philippians 4.15 and 2 Corinthians 11, 9, that when Silas and Timothy came to Corinth, they came and they brought a good report. That was encouraging. But they also came with a gift of money from the church at Philippi. Now think with me just for a minute. As you look at verse 5, um, it seems they came with this money gift. Philippians 4, 15, he thanks them for that. And now... He doesn't have to keep on Sunday through Friday making tents. Now he can devote himself exclusively to preaching and teaching full-time to the Jews. Okay? So, so that's encouraging. Okay? Now I can just focus on my gifts and just doing exactly what I'm called to do. Uh, verse 6, uh, the Jews don't respond well. Uh, Paul, quit talking about Jesus. We don't want to hear any more about the cross. We don't want to hear any more about the empty tomb. And Paul says, okay, if you're going to have hard hearts, I'm going to move on. I'm going to just move on. And then he moves on to the Gentiles. Look at verse 7. And uh, the fifth source of encouragement for Paul was when he goes to the Gentiles, good fruit. <laughs> Lots of response. Verse 7, then Paul left the synagogue... And he went next door to the house of Titus Justice, a worshiper of God. This guy likely was a Gentile, but he was interested in the God of the Jews, and he lives right next door to the synagogue. Verse 8 is where it really gets exciting. Crispus, the synagogue leader, he was the head of the synagogue of the Jews, and his entire household believed in the Lord Jesus. 
And then many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. Pretty cool, huh? That would bring encouragement to him. Huge breakthrough here. Um, this guy who was well-known, Crispus, he and his entire family accept Christ and get baptized. Oh, by the way, did you know that's the pattern? You see that throughout, throughout the book of Acts. When you believe in Jesus, receive him as Savior and Lord, then you go public with it. Those just naturally go together. And anyway, when Crispus and his entire household go public, then many from Corinth say yes and believed and were baptized, verse 8. So, so now, lots of fruit, lots of people responding. Okay, so here's my question. So why was Paul still afraid? So why was Paul still feeling weak and worn out? So why was Paul still drained, and we might call him burned out? Good things were happening. There was success. Why was he down now? Because he's going to need one more source of encouragement. We're going to look at that in just a moment. And let me tell you why. This was the pattern to Paul's ministry, okay? Here we go. First to the Jews. And most of the time, a few of the Jews said yes. Most of them said no thanks. Paul said, okay, now I'm going to the Gentiles. And he'd go and he'd preach Christ to the Gentiles. Christ crucified, buried, and risen from the dead. And many of the Gentiles believed and received Christ as Savior and Lord. That happens here, verse 8. But then the pattern of his ministry was this. Catch me. And now the Jews look at the success, and they're jealous. <laughs> the Jews look at Paul, and they say, look at him. And he's still talking about Christ. And now the crowds are following them, and many are getting baptized. And then the Jews would riot, and they would form a mob and attack Paul and his associates. Now think with me just for a minute, okay? Track with me. Paul knew the Jews have rejected, and the Gentiles, large numbers, have believed and are baptized, including Crispus. Paul knew what was coming next, didn't he? What was coming next? Pain and persecution and trouble and riots. And he'd seen it in Berea and then in Thessalonica and in Philippi. He knew this from Lystra and Iconium and Antioch. As soon as the Gentiles responded, the Jews led an attack, and it was going to be bad. So Paul knows, okay, everywhere we've been, every city I've been, this is the point when things go south. This is the time when things get really bad. So he knows what's coming next, and it seems he's dreading it, and he's discouraged, and he's weak, and he's just drained, which is why this sixth uh, source of encouragement is extra special. Um, look who shows up to give him a word of encouragement. Verse 9, the, the sixth uh, source of encouragement are the very presence and words of Jesus to Paul. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. And notice what Jesus says to Paul. It's pretty cool, isn't it? And, and he says, um, Paul, fear not. Fear not. Um, somebody I just heard recently said there's 365 times 
in God's word where it says fear not. And, and he was making the point, I don't think that was by coincidence. Right, right, Henry? 365 times. Henry, fear not. But this time it's Paul. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now I just finished writing the, the last questions for the CSG uh, for the rest of the book of Acts. Can I tell you something? There's more bad stuff coming. But the Lord says, but don't let fear overwhelm and paralyze you, Paul. Yeah, there's going to be some more bad stuff coming, but I just want you to hang in there and not let fear make you not do what you're supposed to do. And what are you supposed to do? Go back to verse 9. Do not be afraid. Paul, keep on speaking. Don't go silent on me. <laughs> You've been called to speak up for me. And I don't want you to go silent right now. I, I know things are crazy. I know every city you go to, it's been bad. Keep on talking. You're my spokesman, Paul. Keep on talking. Keep using your gifts for me. And I really like verse 10. For I am with you. Paul, um, I'm with you. I know you think you're alone, um, but I just want you to know my presence and my power have always been with you and will be with you in the days to come. Is that not encouraging? Hey, Paul, I'm with you. Remember Exodus chapter 3, Moses is arguing with the Lord. Uh, Lord, I don't want to be your man. Moses says, I don't want to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. Lord, find somebody else. I don't think I'm qualified. Do you remember what the Lord said to Paul? Excuse me, to Moses? He says, um, here, here's my answer to that. I am is with you. I am. I am is about to send you out. So uh, enough of this. I am is here for you. And for those of you who are overwhelmed and stressed and worried and drained and weak, are you ready? I am is with you. The resurrection power of the risen Jesus Christ, his spirit, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, where, where does that spirit live today? Where? Point, point to where the, it lives right here. The Lord, I am, is with you. And then he says, finally, um, no one is going to attack you and harm you, uh, Jesus says, because I have many people in this city. Now, here's what's interesting. The mob does come, and the mob does come for Paul, but the Lord protects Paul, and the Lord still uses Paul to reach the city of Corinth. In, in other words, I still got plans for you, Paul. Don't you quit. There's lots of people here in Corinth who still need to hear from you. I like this thought. Okay, you ready? Nothing, Paul, is going to happen to you today until it passes through my almighty hands. Are you ready for this? And nothing is going to happen in your life today unless it passes through what? The almighty hands of Jesus Christ. And uh, Paul gets the encouragement from Christ. Look at verse 11. So uh, Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half. And he just hung in there for 18 more months, teaching them the word of God. And lots of people responded to Paul. But, but you want to know something? Slide down to verse 12. Verses 12 to 14, Paul was right. The Jews were jealous. 
the Jews do come and they drag him before a Roman judge, and his name was Gallo, Gallio, excuse me, and Gallio uh, now listens to the Jews and they want to just hang him, imprison him, do bad stuff to him. We hate him. And here's what's interesting. Uh, verses 14 to 17, the Roman judge Gallio says, you know what? I've heard you, and this is not a criminal matter. This is not something that I should be uh, a part of. You're debating over words and ideas. Get out of my court, Jews. Uh, this man is entitled to speak and preach. Leave him alone. There's no law against that. And he says, get out of here. You're not welcome in my court anymore. That good stuff? So, so that's what the Lord was talking to Paul about. I know what I'm doing. It's going through my hands, and I'm going to take care of you, Paul. So, you're here today, and you've had a no good, very bad, awful week. I won't ask you to raise your hands. But I suspect a good percentage of you, this hasn't been the greatest week. Kind of discouraged, kind of worn out, fearful, maybe even depressed. What should we learn from Paul's time in Corinth? I'm going to offer you three things. Here we go. First, even godly people, people who love Jesus, are going to have seasons of discouragement and depression. I don't know why, but in our heads, sometimes we're thinking, how come, how come I'm a follower of Christ and I love Jesus strong and I'm having to face this? And here's the truth. You ready? Throughout God's Word, Godly, mature followers of Jesus Christ face seasons of discouragement and depression. Exhibit A, the Apostle Paul. And if that's you this morning, can I, can I give you uh, a few verses? Would you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1? It's like the Lord smacked me upside the head with these verses this past week. So, so I'm struggling, and I'm discouraged, and I'm fearful, and I'm worn out, and I'm burned out. Um, these verses start with verse 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, here's what it says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God, I like this, of all comfort. Okay? So we're going... We're going to God the Father and God the Son and the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. Verse 4, who comforts us in how many of our troubles? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. Did you recognize that we have a role to play in comforting others? Um, I went through something like that, Henry, and the Lord got me through with his comfort. And oh, by the way, he's going to see you through because he's the God of all comfort and he got me through my situation. Henry, he's going to get you through yours. That's how we encourage one another. Verse 5, For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Those good verses. So, so, um, when a follower of Jesus, I'm in trouble, and I'm overwhelmed, and I'm stressed, and I'm discouraged, um, where should we turn? Where should we run? Where should we abide? Where should we camp out? And, and what's the answer? Run to the feet of Jesus and cry out for 
the God of all comfort, to bring his encouragement to your heart. Uh, we have, again, he just said, I'm with you, Paul. And I just want you to know the God of all comfort is with each and every one of you who are followers of Jesus. He loves you. He's with you. He's going to see you through it. 2 Corinthians 7.6 says this, Our God, Jesus Christ, specializes in comforting the downcast. I like that. Comforting the downcast. Okay. Second, now is not the time to check in to the motel called despair. If you're struggling and discouraged, I get it. I've been there. The first thing we want, I, I just want to go and lay in a fetal position and throw myself a good pity party, and I'm not going to come out for a few weeks or a few months. That goes through our head, and I don't feel like being around people. I don't feel like talking. I don't feel like running to Jesus Christ. I just want you to know, Paul shows us by example, he sought out new friends. When he went into Corinth, he didn't have any friends. He went and he made friends. Aquila, Priscilla, spent lots of time with them. And then when his old friends came back, Silas and Timothy, he rejoiced even more. And maybe you're here and you just honestly say, well, I, I don't know that I have any Christian friends, Pastor Jeff. Listen close. Then you need to come down the middle aisle and go right around to the table and we'll help you make some new Christian friends. How do you like that? Okay? We'll, we'll help you get in connection with some people, and we call them community small groups, Penny. And the reason we have community small groups, did you know why? Because we all have seasons of discouragement. Every one of us have times of, man, this is bad, and I'm scared, and I'm worn out, and I'm overwhelmed, and maybe I'm even depressed. I just want you to know, we need each other. That's why there is such a thing as church. That's why there is no such thing as let's go out in the woods and have church all by myself. Because that's not church. Church is where you come with brothers and sisters so that you can encourage one another. Lastly, if you're here and you're struggling and discouraged, I want to say the words that Jesus said to Paul to you right now. You ready? Look at me right now. If you're uh, struggling and overwhelmed, um, let me say what Jesus said to encourage Paul. First of all, fear not. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't allow your fear to paralyze you because nothing is going to happen to you that doesn't first pass through the almighty hands of Jesus Christ. And he loves you and he knows what he's doing in your life and I just want you to know, secondly, Jesus is with you. Just as Jesus said, I'm with you, Paul, I know for a fact that Jesus Christ inhabits the lives of his children. So if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus is with you. Cry out to him. Enjoy his presence. Drink deeply from the God of all comfort who's there to get you through a hard time. And finally, don't try to do this alone. God loves you. He's given you a family here. He's given you brothers and sisters. He doesn't make mistakes. God knows what he's doing, and he's going to get you through this season of despair. The God of all comfort, he comforts us, so then, Mike, we can comfort others around us. 
who need to know. You're going to make it. How do you know that? Because the God of all comfort got me through, and now he's going to get you through that as well. I know that to be true. The God of all comfort, Jesus Christ. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes. Uh, Lord, we uh, just want to say as we close, thank you for uh, how real and honest and even raw at times your book is. It doesn't uh, paint people as uh, never struggling, never hurting, never discouraged. Lord, thank you that you paint even some of your best servants um, in weak and fearful and trembling ways. Lord, we're grateful for that because that's exactly where we live. We live in uh, scary times. As I close, the God of all comfort specializes in bringing comfort to the downcast, to those in the middle of trouble and suffering and discouragement. And I'm not going to I'm not going to trick you. I'm not going to make you stand. I'm not going to make you come forward. But just as we close, if, uh, if you're uh, overwhelmed, if you're stressed, if you're discouraged, if you're fearful, I'd love to just close by praying for you, my uh, church family, my friends. Anybody say, that, that's me. Would you pray for me? Um, I'm in that, that place, yes. Are there others? Anybody else? Yeah, it's not going so good right now. I'm in one of those seasons that you talked about. Um, would you pray for me? Anybody else? This is your, uh, yeah, just lift you up. Anybody else? Yeah. Lord, thank you for my friends. Um, and Lord, we praise you that you are indeed the God of all comfort. Um, and Lord, I'm grateful that you bring your comfort to all of our troubles in all of our discouragement, in all of our despair. And Lord, I'm praying even right now for my friends who just uh, humbly admitted that's where they're at. Lord, uh, may they even today keep running back to you, keep running to your throne. May they abide and stay connected with you and drink deeply from your comfort and your grace. Lord, help, uh, help them to find Christian brothers and sisters to connect with. Help them to find people they can pray with and cry out to you with and sing with. So, Lord, help them to find some good, strong connections. Lord, uh, help us as a church family to pay attention to those around us who are hurting and weak and fearful and in trouble. Lord, thank you that we could gather here today. And uh, I pray again your blessing, your encouragement your good grace on each and every person here. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus Christ we pray every one of these things.